the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So welcome back to the Instructor Podcast. It's uh, great to have you along as always. We hope you're enjoying these shows. Uh, If you want to provide any feedback, you know how you can get in touch with me, Facebook, any kind of social media. But we have got a little new feature going on at the minute, and that's a Facebook group. And you can go search for that, or there'll be a link in the show notes. It's the Instructor Podcast Facebook group. There's going to be all kinds of stuff going on in there, but it's basically a place for people to learn and develop and showcase their skills and promote whatever it is that you are selling. But for today's episode, I'm also joined by someone who is selling something, and that's Kathy Higgins. Kathy has got a brand new book out that she's come to talk to us about, um, but we also get into a lot more about that. We speak about standard checks. We talk about how you can handle it if you don't pass first time and you've got to go for another one. We speak about franchises, whether a franchise is right for you or not, and, and how to choose the correct franchise. We also talk quite a bit in how we actually uh, like the job and, and what it is we actually love about this job, and it was a great conversation. So um, I'm going shut up now and i'm gonna let you enjoy the show so welcome to the instructor podcast and today i'm delighted to be joined by someone who came highly recommended to me by a number of different driving instructors and is currently on the final leg of her promo tour for her new book uh, i am joined by the the wonderful and ever delightful kathy higgins how are we today kathy all well I'm fantastic, Terry. Thank you. How does it feel? I mentioned the promo tour there for your book, and uh, sort of the the in joke there is that I'm the third podcast in about ten days that you've done. You've been on the uh, Dipod, and then I think a couple of days ago you were on Mick Knowles's podcast. Uh, did podcast? I did podcast. That's right. And did, now you're yeah. on the the Instructor podcast. So, yeah, how's the little promo tour been for your book? It's been really interesting. It's if if, if I wanted to pick a word, it would be surreal. Because it's just, I, I just can't believe it's actually all happened now. Because obviously the book has not been something that's happened overnight. And, you know, it's taken me quite some time <clears throat> uh, to write it, really. And if it wasn't for the publishers that I chose to eventually publish the book, it would probably still be sitting in the top door, black and dust, so... So it is kind of, it's just all, it, I feel like it's all happened all at once and then, oh, it's actually there, you know. So, but it was quite funny <clears throat> when I ordered some, because um, you can order proof copies so you can actually physically see the book, look through it and things. So we ordered some proof copies and I was waiting for um, the Amazon van to come along and I was looking at the app and he said, oh, he's five. I stopped away, so I was standing outside the front door and I could see the van. And I thought, great, we must be next, you know. And as he's coming towards my house, he turned right down the cul-de-sac and I was like, why? <laughs> so it was a bit like, you know, waiting. It was like Christmas sort of thing, you know, and then you open it and you think, this is actually real now. I just didn't imagine that it was actually and and to be fair, the the way the uh, publishers have formatted the book with the pictures and the, the top tips and the funny stories and things like that, um, she's done an absolutely amazing job. You know, it looks way better than my little. Uh, I think I said this to one of the other guys in my Word document with you know 
<laughs> text boxes and things like that in it. So, so yeah. Excellent. Well, I definitely want to come back and speak about the book. But before we do, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about what you're up to now, and a little bit about your history? Gosh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm obviously a driving instructor. I've been a driving instructor since 1998. So it's not a training license like a lot of people. And I always call it a training license, not a trading license. Um, so and I did get really good training. Uh passed my part three on the third attempt, which was devastating. But looking back now, I'm glad that happened because I now actually, uh, well, the only thing I really do in car now is instructor training, uh, standards check training and things like that. And I know how it feels to get to your third attempt. And I also failed my very first ever check test. Um, because I was just told, oh, just go in and just do what you normally do. And, of course, I listened to everyone in the test centre and they gave me lots of advice, which I duly took, and it just went completely. I deserved to fail it, no doubt. But, again, I know what it feels like, so I can use those things when I'm uh, helping other people that don't manage to pass everything first time. Yeah. And can I just ask you about that, actually? Because uh, with the third attempt, I, I passed second attempt, and I had always had it in my head that I would really, really struggle if I came to a third attempt because yeah. it's kind of do or die at that point. Yes, yeah. How did you sort of cope with that stress and, and manage your, your your stress levels around that? Well, basically, uh, as I say, it was on a training license, um, and. Back in the day when I, I did mine, the training license was not half as useful as it is now because you got used to real learners. You got them through the test and you were thinking, well, I've got to be doing something right. So I'm getting all these test passes. Everyone was made up with what I was doing. But of course, that was when examiners did role play. And role play was no matter what examiner and what they would tell you, it was not like real life. Because your learner, if you if you say something to your learner and it's slightly wrong, then um, they won't tell you it's wrong, but they'll do what they think is right. So they help you, whereas an examiner didn't help you. You said yeah. something wrong, they just, just interpret it and, and do it wrong. So it was, it was a big culture shock, really, then. But training license now, for, for some people, not for everybody, and it's not, you know, a rice of passage, but not for everybody, but it can be quite useful for some people because what you're being um, looked at now is what you actually do. Is that, uh, you know, you, you're, you're being tested on what you actually do for a living, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. The, the way I coped with it emotionally-wise was I just literally got angry um, because I loved the job, still do. I love the job. And I thought, you know what? No one is taking this away from me. And I that was the attitude I went in. And obviously with training from a trainer, um, I'll give a shout out to Mike Harkin. Um, he done a lot of my training, still friends with him now. And I just went for it. I thought, you're not having this. You're not taking this off me. Um, so I, I didn't, because some people... I fear throw away their final attempt because they've given up all hope and don't give up all hope, just do the job. I think that was my fear, um, that if I got to that third one, I could, I'd probably give up. But yeah. I look back at it now and 
my first, I went in with a completely wrong attitude for that first one. Um, I went in with, you know, I can do the, I mean, I, I, you know, over, over cocky, if you like. Yeah. And then when I went actually and got in the car, the nerves kicked in yeah. and it just went. And I can remember um, the examiner right at start of test, pulling away from test center, messing up with clutch. And my brain went, oh, that's the examiner getting used to the clutch. I don't yeah. need to mention that. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was the worst. Te- I mean, my trainer signed back and he actually told me afterwards, he said that it's one of the worst tests he'd ever seen. I think I got a one and a two. And they don't give yeah. ones that easily, do they? I was genuinely abysmal. But yeah. the way I kind of got around that was I made a plan B. So when I went to the second test, I had, right, well, if I pass this time or when I pass, this is what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. I had like a detailed plan of what I'd do if I didn't pass. So there was no nerves there because I knew both ways what was going to happen. And then on the, the second attempt, I think I got a five and a six or a six and a five. So it was like a complete polar opposite. And it, it would just take yeah. a, to go in with a different approach. But one thing I do want to ask you about that, you said about loving the job. Um, I'm interested to know what, what it is you actually love about this job and if it's anything similar to me. Gosh, I think really now um, it's the variety of the things that I do um, that, I, that I love. Um and initially, it was just basically. I left school with very few qualifications, um, and I used to be um, a sales rep for a veterinary company uh, selling veterinary medicines, and it was large animals, so it was all sheep wormer, cow wormer, and stuff like that. And I enjoyed it, and I loved the driving part of it. But one day, I'd been out on the road all week, all over the country. Come back to the to the main office. And the boss had got a new car and I was driving around in this tatty escort and I thought, hold on a minute, the harder I'm working, the bigger the car the boss gets. There's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> and I thought, right, I want to work for myself. And I thought, well, what? And I thought, well, I really love driving. Um, I love everything to do with driving. So I'll just become a driving instructor. And, and that was it. And I just loved helping people go from not being able to drive to to passing passing the tests and I love mixing with the variety of people the diversity of people that we meet as driving instructors um and 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 yeah and then I knew from day one I didn't want to carry on specializing in learners only I knew I wanted to do other things so um, I branched out then into um, instructor training, went on audit, and I've been off and on audit ever since. Um, and now I deliver police diversionary courses um, at the moment online. Um, I'm a training development coach with Drive Tech, so I look after and try and help all the trainers delivering online courses. I help them improve and give them things to think about really as trainers. I run a few other little businesses and, um, and yeah, I've got now got my multi-car driving school, which we've got a, a, a fantastic team of instructors who I always say work with me, not for me. Um, and and they're, they're on a franchise with us at Insight to Drive. Um, and you say that's called Insight to Drive? Yeah. Yeah. Hence the name of the book. I'm getting good at these segues. <laughs> yeah, because Insight to Drive, the driving school is Insight, the number two, Drive. Yeah. 
And I was, it was, I couldn't think of a title for the book. And the title I had was How to Learn to Drive and Pass Your Test at the Same Time. And the publisher said, You're not having that, it's too long, it's not catchy enough. So that's now become the subtitle. And, and we thought, well, why not call it An Inside to Drive? So it was like a, a sort of a spin on 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 words, really. So so yeah. And with the book, which is now a bestseller, so congratulations about yeah, that. Thanks, way. yeah. But with the book, was there sort of the thought process towards it? Was it something that you kept putting off or was it in back of your head? Was there one moment that made you go, no, I'm writing this book now? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was something I, I wanted to do based on um, people continually ending up with substandard driving instruction, um, substandard instructors, and they'd stay with an instructor. And you think, why, you know, and, and we just didn't, I think people didn't realise that there is different types of driving instructor, and that's why some of them charge more than others, because you get what you pay for. I mean, I'm not against people doing loss leaders where you'll put, you know, a special offer on to, you know, fill your diary fairly quickly. But after that, you really you know, you should be charging the professional price. And it was, it was just never-ending. And um, I thought, you know, there's got to be some way of getting the information. Because I've done a survey for the book. Um, gosh, I'm going to quote something now that's going to be wrong, but it's in the book anyway. <laughs> and I've done a survey to see how many people would know whether their driving instructor was licensed or not. And it was somewhere in the region of 71% of people would not know how to tell. And that is scary, really. You know, because you can get, you can go go on eBay and get a roof sign and a few handouts and set yourself up as, you know, uh, Joe Bloggs driving school, here we go. You know, so, so yeah, it was quite shocking that people didn't know. Yeah, because it's interesting that you said that about um, not knowing whether the instructor is licensed or not, because it's not something I even thought about until recently when one of my students said, oh, what's that badge in your corner? And I'm yeah. like, I never tell them what it is. And and ever since they asked me, I've now started, well, every new student I get, I always make sure I say, that badge over there, that means I'm an approved driving instructor and I'm I'm licensed to do this. And I, I thought I'd never thought to actually say that before. Yeah. And like you said, if, if every instructor did that, then if we, I know I can't make it mandatory, but if everyone did that, then that'll probably help weed out some of those that aren't licensed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you're uh, conducting a lesson for money or money's worth, uh, to coin a phrase, and you are not displaying that badge, it's a thousand pounds fine. So there should be no reason why you would not display the badge. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to mention with that. <laughs> And I think it's really relevant. I think as instructors, we need to talk about this more. Uh, I run a, another podcast called Driving Test Tales, which is speaking to people that pass a test about mm. the experience. And I ask them for some advice on it. And I think it's only six episodes in so far. And so far, everyone's given the same advice, which is you don't have to settle on your first instructor. If mm. you come to that instructor, whether it's a personality thing or a professional thing, whatever, you can move on. And I think that's great advice. And it's something I always say when I get a new customer. So, look, if you're not happy with me for any reason, please tell me. And if yeah. it's something we can't work out, then then you're welcome to, yeah. to move on. And I think that's something as instructors we should be embracing so we get a better yeah. relationship. Exactly. We, we, we have that as a driving school. If a pupil's not happy with one of our instructors, 
we will try our best to swap them to another instructor within the school. And if we can't, we'll look for an instructor for them or help them find one. Because not everybody gets on with everybody. That's the way of the world. It might yeah. not be anything other than you just don't like your aftershave or your perfume or or you know you know we need we need not you know take take offense if somebody just isn't gelling because he's gonna you know spend quite a few hours in a small enclosed place with somebody you want to be able to get on with them exactly i don't mean being best friends i think so far no? i've had one person that's moved on from me for sort of after that mm-hmm. first lesson yeah and I think I've dropped three or four. Um, and again, it's all just generally been that personality. But you mentioned yeah. there about your driving school. Uh, and obviously, like I say, your multi-car franchise. Um, and one of the things we said we were going to speak about today was franchises and the difference yeah, between yeah, yeah. good and bad. So I'm going to sort of throw that open to you. How would you define the difference between a good and a bad franchise? Well, that's a difficult question, really, because it's like it's like the age-old question, how much is an expensive chase? Now, everyone's going to have a different opinion on their answer, yeah. depending on where you are. And so it's the same for franchises. I wouldn't say there's good and bad ones. There's different ones. You know, but speaking of my own franchise, I mean, I always find this industry tends to push instructors towards independence. Now, being an independent instructor, just on your own, is great for some people. It's not for everybody. Equally so, being on a franchise isn't for everybody either. Um, and if every single driving instructor was independent, there were no franchises, there were no schools as such, it would be like having hundreds of thousands of corner shops to choose from. It would give the members of the public too much choice, so therefore it would be difficult to choose and we'd all be fighting against each other. So it's not the way to go to say that, you know, everybody should be independent, but equally so, not everybody should be part of a franchise. I've had some horrendous things happen with people that have come into our school being franchised and, you know, they've they've done horrendous things and then left. And you're like, why did you, you know, do that? Because when people come on a franchise with us, it's on the understanding that one day they will want to go on their own. And all they've got to do is grab a cup of coffee with me and say, Kath, I'm thinking of going on my own. And what we've said to them is, look, that's absolutely fine. We'll help you. I mean, I've had instructors that have gone on their own. I've even helped them pick the name of the driving school for them, you know, because then that way there's no animosity. There's no bad feeling. We know that some of them will want to go having said that i've had instructors that have been with us since 2007 because they like what we do we are i think different we're very much part of a team although the whole team doesn't come to everything because being involved or or going on social because we have meetings cpd meetings we have social meetings that's not for everybody either so I treat them very much as individuals, but we are part of a team. So we'll have discussions on things like um, paperwork. Um, we have discussions on pricing. We have, It's not me telling them what to do. I try my best to help them as best as I can run their businesses as easy and efficient as they can. So everybody wins. You know, it's not just us um, taking money off them for nothing. 
you know, they do get genuine service. For example, the way our training works, if somebody uh, comes on a training license with us, they will get six hours a month one-to-one training with one of the training team every single month up to when they pass their part three. Now, fingers crossed, touch wood, we've had nobody fail three times. Now, when they do qualify, they will get a further three hours training every month all the way up to their first standards check. And then after the first standards check, then it is when it's needed training. But that's all part and parcel of the franchise fees. They don't pay extra for that. Um, because I really believe that putting good quality driving instructors out there will hopefully equal good quality learner drivers, good quality novice drivers and good quality drivers all around. Yeah, I think you make a, a really good point there as well about it being appropriate for the individual mm. because you're offering people this stuff, but they don't necessarily have to take it. You know, like you say, the social side of it. And I think... Yeah that's always something that I would, because I was in a, I was, well, I'll be honest about this, I was with Red Driving School when I started for three years, and I've been three years independent, now, I think that's right. Um, and it, they had the ability or the, the availability for me to go to them to get stuff. And that's what I always liked. They didn't kind of shove it down my throat. The, yeah. the option was there to go and do this stuff. Yeah. And it, it just wasn't right for me at the time. And for me now, I'm independent. And I initially was going down the, the, the path of, right, well, I'm going to start my own driving school and I'll take on these instructors. Then I realised that's not right for me either. I No, it's not. It's not as easy as people think. Yeah. It is quite demanding and it's quite stressful as well, especially if they – they do, uh, you know, leave you in the lurch or they don't pay the franchise and then just leave and, and you're like, you're thinking, well, why did you do that? You know, we've, we've done everything we can for you. And then you you go off and, 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 and you know, do something like that when it wasn't necessary at all. So it is, it's quite heart-wrenching, really. I think they just think you're just a hard-nosed business person with no feelings or it's not going to affect you when people do that. Yeah, and it, it's it's put across that way a lot. I know that, like I say, when I was um, considering going down the driving school route, it was, I spoke to a few different people, a number of people were like, oh, just do it, just do it, just do this. And I'm thinking it can't be that easy. And and then when I looked at it, I don't, I don't want to be responsible for these people. Mm. I don't, and that's not because I, I don't think it was because I couldn't hand that responsibility. I just didn't want to. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted, and the part of the goal was always to sort of do this podcast and and the other stuff I'm doing, I, my own little enterprise. Yeah, um, but I think that's also the way it's put across on Facebook. I think, like you mentioned, Facebook's the biggest social media platform, so that's the one I generally refer back to about this. Yeah. But when anyone goes online and, and asks and says, I'm thinking of becoming a, a driving instructor, you know, what do you recommend? Everyone always says, don't go with a franchise, go local, then go yeah. independent straight away. Yeah. And I think that's bad advice. I think the I advice do. should be investigate everything and see what's right yes. for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do talk about different things in the book about, you know, who should take your lessons with a big national school, a local franchise or independent driving instructor. And I talk about the pros and cons of each, really. And um, so that people that that's that's I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, really. Do you due diligence? 
be, become informed about what is best for you as an individual. Because there are people that, you know, I mean, one of the things I look at when people are in our team, some instructors who are, have maybe left us, um, you would never have back. <laughs> um, but some of them who have left, you think, yes, you know, the door's wide open, please come back if it doesn't work for you. Um, because I don't want, I mean, what we do is we, we, we sign a 12-month contract and at the end of that 12-month, we have a discussion. Do they want to stay or do we want to go? And and if they stay, it's just to roll a monthly contract from then. Because I don't want anyone in my school that doesn't want to be in the school. It's not healthy for us, not healthy for them. And, um, you know, the best way around it is to just pass as friends. It sounds you like know? your school is based around people rather than profit. And, and there's it, obviously... It, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Mm. And there's obviously a need to make profit there. You're running a business, but I think yeah. the, the way to make that profit stems from keeping your people happy. It sounds yeah. like that's what you're doing. It is. I mean, during lockdown and COVID, what we did was we had uh, regular Zoom meetings. We had lots of um guest speakers from the ADI and JC, the FSB, which is the Federation of Small Businesses. We had accountants come and chat to us. We had investment people, coaches. Uh, we had lots of lots and lots of variety. And we also had social Zooms as well. Um, you know, we, we learned we all learned how to play poker uh, on the <laughs> online. Uh, we had quizzes, we had catchphrase um, all stuff like that. And then when we were meant to be going back, which we thought was going to be the end, which wasn't, I uh, got a pack made up for the instructors, go back to work pack, and it had like gloves, hand sanitizer, um, a little card to show the pupils on, you know, COVID friendly lessons and jokes and their favorite chocolate bar. And I went round and hand-delivered all of those to the instructors. Now, that I was doing all of that whilst they were not paying a franchise yeah. because as soon as the lockdown hit, the only thing I could morally do was to say, look, we're all in this boat together. Stop your franchise payments. So they completely stopped, but I was still working for them, even though I wasn't getting paid because I just thought it was my moral duty to keep the team together and to keep the morale up as much as we can you know but we are all looking forward to meeting up again and uh, we haven't had a face-to-face -face meeting since only because it's just so busy and I don't want to take them off the road and they're going to be losing money because uh, they're making up for a lot of money that they actually lost yeah and it, it you know like I said it, those people that you looked after during lockdown you know they'll, they'll remember that and I think that without naming names, I'm not going to do that here, but we've heard about the franchises that didn't look after the people over lockdown. Yeah. And that reputation stays, and I think that's going to stay for a while. And that's probably where a lot of that, or possibly where a lot of that talk comes from online about don't go franchise, because yeah. what makes a bigger news story, the, the the driving school that isn't looking after the people, or driving school that is. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's all the next. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. The news will always go for the negative angle um, every single time, yeah. The other thing I wanted just to touch on with that, cause you, you, you touched on it earlier, was uh, price and loss leaders. As someone that's obviously, uh, I've got to stop saying obviously, Graham Hooper pulled me up on this the other day. Yeah. <laughs> um, as someone that's been in the, the game for a while, 
and clearly runs your own uh, driving school, a successful one by the sounds of it. I'm guessing that you've had some uh, dealings with pricing and stuff like that. Now, again, I'm going by what I get told by ADIs. I'm going by what I see online on ADIs, which is the yeah. number of people that are, are scared to charge what they're worth. I mean, I'm yeah. based in um, Bradford. I'm on the border between Leeds and Bradford. And I still see £20 an hour lessons around here. Um, yeah. I don't expect you to tell me your prices. Mine currently is £36 for a one-hour lesson. Yeah. Mm. But I will have these instructors telling me they cannot charge that. Now, obviously, yeah. they can't go from £20 to 36 overnight. They can't. Yeah. But I'd be interested in your take on that and, and, and how people could you know, increase the price and what approach to take around that. Yeah. Uh, we're currently £30 an hour um in liverpool and we looked at putting our prices up i wanted to put the prices up um but the instructors well my instructors didn't want to put the prices up and at the end of the day i'm not going to overrule them if they don't want to put the prices up um but i and, and their thought process was rightly or wrongly well look you know everybody suffered in this pandemic and there's a lot of people who have lost money as well a lot of people who were out of work and they just felt that putting the prices up would have just not made them feel like it was the right thing to do but I think we're going to have no option because I don't want to be the biggest driving school um but I don't want to be the cheapest either so I just think you know that we we do need to charge what we're worth but You've then got to look at other driving instructors, um, some of them anyway, in the minority, I have to say, that the only way they can get pupils is to have cheap prices. Um, and that's the only way they can get and keep pupils is to keep the prices cheap. And that's that's such a shame when actually all they have to do is upskill themselves or look for some training. And then they might not just have to use prices as a leverage to get yeah i'd agree with that so thank you for listening to this show we're just taking a short break just to thank you for listening and tell you a couple of ways that you can support the show so first of all subscribe Subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. So it drops in your feed every time, every time there's a new episode. And if you're feeling generous, if you can, leave us a five-star review. The other way you can support the show is by checking out our Patreon feed. Now, Patreon is a subscription service where you provide loads of bonus materials. You get these episodes for free, you get them ad-free, and you get extra stuff as well, like alternative routes, standard check checklists, We've got Tez Talks coming up. We've got all kinds of stuff going on over there. But head over to Patreon and check that out, which is what our first ever Patreon subscriber did, and that is Lee Sperry. He was the first ever Patreon. And if you sign up to Patreon, you will get a shout on this show. So big thank you to Lee for being the first ever Patreon subscriber to the show. So, yeah, it would be great if you could help us out in any of those ways. But even if you don't, I really appreciate you listening. So I'm going to step back and let you enjoy the rest of the show. Um, one of the things I do is I've got, a, and much like you did with your, um, your franchisees over lockdown, over lockdown, I, well, I've had it for a while, but a Facebook group for my learners, 
and it's mm. where I communicate stuff on there. Over lockdown, we did all sorts. I had guest speakers coming in from them yeah. talking about motivation and nerves and stuff like that. I were doing quizzes with them. I did training courses from. Yeah. So these guys are seeing, and that's kind of stuff I do anyway in the group, but not as intense as over lockdown when I had yeah. time. So I think that just that's just one facet now. You know, you could look at that and say, well, I'm charging this an hour, but then I'm putting this extra time in. Yeah. But exactly. again, that's that's like an hour a week potentially, but across however many people are in yeah. that, that yeah. group. But like you said, it's it's what you do about that, and whether it's upskilling, whether and whether that's upskilling your marketing, whether it's upskilling your coaching, whether it's what whatever it might be. I think a lot of people are reluctant to do that. The more I talk to people, the more I see online, and I just get that consistent block of a, a refusal for people to to develop. Yeah. Is that something you see a lot? <laughs> I think it is, and it's, it's a refusal to uh, embrace change as well, because we we have um, a, a learner pack. It's like we call it a welcome pack. So a new learner starts with us. They get a really fancy folder with uh, handouts in it. It's got the syllabus on the back of the folder. It's got the show me tell me's on the inside, the terms and conditions on the inside. <clears throat> they get a booklet in there that takes them you know, all the way from the theory test to what to do, what to do when they've passed. So and we put road safety leaflets in and they that folder then also, of course, the most important thing is reflective logs. Um, now, our pupils have a choice as to whether they want to use reflective logs or the online logs so they can do either. Um, but it's a marketing tool, this folder. It's a big A4 folder and they're encouraged to bring it on all the lessons because they plot their own uh, progress on the back of the folder and some of the instructors don't want to use them <laughs> they're free to the instructors they don't have to make them up they don't have to pay for them but they just don't want to use them because they think it won't work but then they've not used them so how do they know it's not going to work i mean yes you're going to get you know i don't know a percentage of pupils that will lose them that's a given um, but for these people that really love them, that, that's a big marketing tool yeah. that that instructor's using. You know, we supply our instructors with even uh, bespoke congratulations, you've passed your test card. And some instructors well, I don't really like the look of them. They go, they're free. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and they get their own web pages, which they have access to. They can change the web pages. Um, when we were going back to work after lockdown, we um, wrote a, a, um, a letter. We sent a letter to all the learners on our group, all the instructors, to just tell them on behalf of your instructor, on behalf of John, John will be back to work at this. Please bear with us because it's going to be crazy. And we we're telling the pupils what to expect when we went back to work. So we did that as well. And that was all during lockdown that, that when the instructors weren't paying, we were still mad busy helping them getting ready to get back to work. Well, I have to say, after this discussion, I think if I ever decide to to go franchise again, um, I'll be saying if you want to expand out to Bradford, or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if I decide to run my own school, I'll be modelling it on what you said. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good yeah. stuff there. And um, it just makes you feel as as a person that you're doing this for the right reasons not just doing it to go right i'm just going to sit here and just take all franchise money and i'm not really bothered about them as people uh, i am 
you know, they're treated as individuals and I do see them as very much part of the team. Good. Uh, I like that. It's, it comes across as you speak. You can feel the, the passion in what you're talking mm-hmm. about, which is, yeah. which is excellent. Um, speaking of passion, there's there's been another segue. Look, there's been um, uh, some some passion sparked recently, and I'd just be interested in your, uh, sort of a brief take on this from you around the whole Sanders check pass rates. Uh, um, no one can see your expressions as I say this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't necessarily want the, the, to go have a massive long conversation about this, but I'd be interested yeah. just from from your experience in the industry and, and as someone that runs a, a school to hear your thoughts on that overall. Yeah, this it's it, it's crazy um, because a pass race. It, it's what it, you know, we, and I, I put, I've put something in the book about pass rates, you know. I mean, I could say to you, right, in December 2019, no, in the whole of 2019, I had a 100% pass rate. So that must make me great. But I only had one learner, which was my daughter, and <laughs> she went through and passed. Now, one of my instructors will say, and I'm just using these figures just to illustrate a point, say if they took 100 pupils to test and had 50 pass, then they would have a 50% pass rate, half of mine. But I know who I'd rather take the lessons with. It wouldn't be the one with the 100% pass rate that's took one person. I'd want to be the one that's taken 50 people to test because they're more, they've got more experience than the one. And it's... I think I'm, I commented on somebody's LinkedIn um, thing and they were talking about, you know, to shambles away the DVSA have, have, have just miraculously moved really swiftly on this, but dragged the feet on everything we did during lockdown. Um, and it's like they, the DVSA ads have a, a strap line, don't they? Um skill for life or something. It's, yeah. I can't remember exactly. Safe driving for life. Safe driving for life. Well, to me, what they're indicating is all they're interested in is safe driving for, for 45 minutes on one day. That's all that matters. So to base something solely on pass rates, I just think it's, it's rubbish because the best heart surgeon in the world loses most of their patients because they get all the difficult cases. So you could have a driving instructor that specialises in in people with complex needs whose pass rate isn't going to be that good, but they're going to be an absolutely brilliant instructor because they get all the pupils with complex needs. So it's a bit of a flawed argument to say to base it just on pass rates. See, the way you phrase that is maybe me making me rethink my stance slightly because I was a oh, little right. bit more on the side. I can't believe I'm saying these words. A little bit more on the side of the DVSA. Uh, that, that was stuck in my mouth saying that. Um, not completely. I think the timing of it is atrocious. Um, yeah. I think that if they said now, we're going to start this in 12 months, I think yeah. that would be different. I think that some of the criteria they use, and I don't necessarily agree with, you know, the four indicators they've got, um, I don't I don't agree with that. However, I do think that they have I think that there's this there's, there's weak instructors in the industry. And I probably mm. include myself in this a little bit, in, in the mm. sense that I'm not saying I'm brilliant, you know, there's work I need to do on myself, um, which I'm attempting, but they, they have to use some sort of data. 
And I think yes, that it's yeah. right that they're targeting weak instructors. Mm. I'm just not necessarily sure if the way that they're doing it is correct. But again, they have to use something. And if they were to say, right, we're going to start off with these and we're going to start off with the bottom 5%, because it might, like you said, uh, if they only went off that criteria, someone takes 100 and mm. gets 50 passes, but then someone takes 100 and get five passes. Well, if they target the the five percent instructor, yeah. I think mm-hmm. that, and then work their way up. Well, you see, you've got you've got to look at it a slightly different way as well. That it could be quite easy to scupper the figures because um, allegedly there was a driving school, large driving school, who um, when a pupil was coming up for test, if they thought that pupil was going to fail then that pupil will be allocated to a trainee or a new instructor to take the test. So therefore, if the instructor thought the person was going to pass or had a really good chance of passing, then they would take them. So just because a pupil passes or fails with a particular instructor does not mean that particular instructor has done all the training for that learner. Yeah. So that, 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 that can be scuffered as well. It should really, it should be a criteria of, you know, what you're doing as an instructor. Are you doing, I mean, the whole thing about CPD, look what happened with that, Terry, they just didn't back it in the end. Yeah. Um, so it should be, you know, what level of CPD, what type of pupils are you taking, what's your current grade, what is your pass rate, what other work do you do? Because there's instructors like myself that don't take learner drivers, and I'm thinking, well, where does this leave me now, you know? <laughs> I think that's the key one for me. You mentioned CPD there. If, my preference would be they they focused on that for 12 months. If they said yeah. for the next 12 months, we're drilling this in and you've, whatever, however they did it, you know, they focused on that. Yeah. And then when they've got that in order, then they could have a look at doing something different. And like I say, that there's always ways to manipulate data. I fully agree with that. Yeah. I didn't know the example you've just said. That's quite interesting. And maybe yeah. that's not the well, right word, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it it is. I mean, as I say, it, it was allegedly done. Um, but here's another stance on it, that our instructor badge, our licence certificate, whatever you want to call it, allows us to uh, teach somebody to drive for money. That is it. Any Tom, Dick or Harry, so long as they've been driving for three and a half years and they're over 21, can teach someone to drive. And so realistically, we're only being checked because we charge the DVSA. If it was if our standards check was anything to do with road safety, they would stop other people teaching people to drive. So it's nothing to do with road safety. It's just I don't you know, this is my right with standards check because my badge only allows me to, to charge money. It doesn't allow me to teach people to drive because I can do that anyway, as long as I don't charge money. Yeah. So that that to me is the biggest thing is, and that's why we are undervalued yeah. by the members of the public because they think, well, anyone can teach anyone to drive. Why are they charging so much? Yeah. You know, I my dad taught me and I passed in ten lessons. You know, and yeah, I'm sure you 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 know, you know, twenty years ago. That was the thing that I constantly had pupils saying, well, my dad said he passed in 10 lessons. And I would say, well, you know, they don't count all the private practice their dad had with their dad. They just took 10 driving lessons with an instructor and passed. The, like, uh, 
different tests now, different yeah. tests. I mean, my favourite was one of my students. Uh, I'm not going to name him just in case he does listen. Um, <laughs> but a few years back, he did. He passed. He had 18 hours with me. Passed first time with one driver fault, which was he pulled up in front of someone's driveway when he pulled up beside the road. Yeah. And he went and told all his mates, go with Terry because you'll pass in 20 hours. Yeah. What I didn't tell him was the 120 hours he'd had practice with mum and dad. Yeah. So, so exactly. all his mates come to me. Ex- oh, well, I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll pay for 20 hours and I'll pass like, no. Yeah. Don't work like that. Yeah, yeah. But mm. I, I think there's a lot of grey areas there. You know, I'm not someone that's coming out and saying, yes, this is the correct way to do it. Yeah. It's the right thing to do. I, I'm, they've got to do something. I don't necessarily yeah. believe they're doing the right thing. They have to use some form of statistics. Yeah, I suppose they're, you're right, yeah. Mm. But I'm, there's a bit of me that's glad they're doing something. And if that means I get called in for a standards check, and then from that standards check, they identify areas that I need to improve that I haven't yeah. seen. Great. Or if they say, no, actually, you're pretty good, we don't need to worry about you for a bit, your pass rate is clearly not a reflection yeah. of your skill, then I'm not overly concerned about that. Yeah. And I, my biggest concern, if I'm being honest, is the instructors that this is causing worry for. It's yeah. because there are people that you see in every day that are now panicking about it. And that's not because necessarily because they're not good at the job. They're just panicking because they well, don't want to people- be tested. Some people aren't good at tests, are they? Simple as that. But then you'll get the people who are quite good at tests and they will put a sparkling um, uh, representation on on that particular day. Um, And I get people all the time asking me, well, you know, what subject should I use from a standards check? I said, well, how do I know? You know, and they go, well, well, you know, well, what what people are you? You know, and people will... Pick the subject and work the route out and then try and shoehorn a learner into that. I wonder why it goes wrong. It should be pick your learner, right? But I say, what what is going to benefit that learner the most next? That's what you do. And, you know, but they will almost have, I mean, when it was a check test, it was a bit easier then, but they'll almost have it planned out like a bit of a play. You say this, I say this, you say this, and then they'll pass. And then go back to their old ways. And I've, I've actually heard instructors say, oh, just give me something to get me through the standard check and then I can just do what I want again then. And it's like, wow, you know. And, and sometimes we we just attract the wrong people into our industry, unfortunately. See, I think that ties in with, with learners again in that you think about the instructors that are teaching test routes it's, yeah. it's a similar thing when you go on a, a standards check and, and you've mapped that out beforehand. All yeah. it takes is for one thing to change, one yeah. thing to be different, and you're screwed. Yeah. Mm. But speaking of learners and driving tests, someone that we know may have a book out that might help people with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you told us something about how the book kind of came about. Um, just tell us a bit about what the book actually is, who it's aimed for, and, and, and why we as instructors could benefit from it. Well, I started off wanting a book that would benefit learner drivers to know everything they need to know um, about from choosing a driving instructor to what to do on the theory test, practical test, what type of car to choose, uh, whether they should, what type of, you know, it's it's almost, I'm hoping, everything they need to know. And there's, there's a chapter on um, about for parents as well. So there's a lot of information in the book for parents of people who are learning to drive. Sometimes the parents are, are funding this and they need to know as well. 
um, what to look for. And but there's lots of things in it for instructors as well. So there's a part where I talk about, you know, to, to what a, a really well-structured driving lesson should look like um, or, or one of, you know, because there's more than one way to skin a cat. We know that there's, there isn't just one right way, but this is one of them. Uh, so they know sort of what to look for. Um, it's, you know, I, so people have said to me, and this is one of my bugbears, and, and if you haven't seen someone for ages, and they'll go, why, well, Kathy, are you still doing that driving thing? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I am still doing that driving thing. You know, because they don't realise, they just think you sit there saying, saying left and right, and let the learner work it out themselves. You know, so it, it is, that's the, 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 the view people have of us as driving instructors. And when I found about the, the amount of people that didn't know how to tell whether an instructor was licensed or not. Um, I've put all that in the book and there's lots of resources in the back of the book as well. And it gives you a little website where you can go and download the resources for your own use as well. Um, so the illegal driving instructor poster and things like that, because people don't know. So that was, that was, that was the whole thing. Uh, I just wanted to get the information out there in one easy book. Excellent. And, would it be worth me as an except to be fair, I have ordered this, so we'll be coming through, oh, so I will be you. reading it. But would it be worth me as an instructor reading it? And I suppose I'm asking that from over instructors' point of view that are listening now rather than mine. I think so, yeah, because and there's a lot, there's a section that says um um uh, driving instructor bloopers, what instructors don't want you to know. And now this is, again, and I'm sure I say this in the book somewhere, it's a minority of instructors and some of the little things that instructors do which will make the learners actually pay more for lessons because they'll have to take more lessons. And some instructors might be inadvertently doing some of them things, thinking that's the right thing to do. For example, off the top of my head, I can think of an instructor who, um, who boasted that for the first five or six lessons, they did the pedals for the learner without the learner knowing. Now, I've got no problem in using your jewel to demonstrate stuff or help and to jump down a task, but this person was using them without the knowledge of the pupil. And they said, well, you know, doesn't it make me look good because my pupils go home and say, oh, I was moving on my first lesson. I got up to 40 or 50 on my first lesson. And, and they go boast on how much they've done on their first lesson. But they actually didn't do it because the instructor was using the pedals. And it's things like that. And you think that's just not on, you know, and, and, and why would, you know, is your skill so low? You have to hoodwink people into thinking you're a good instructor. So that was just one of the things off the top of my head. And there's lots of funny stories in it as well and top tips and stuff because uh, I can't do anything without putting <laughs> People that know me, I can't uh, do anything without putting some humour in it somewhere. Um, no, it's, it's it's good, though, because I, I love reading stuff like this and I like, you know, talking to other instructors about how they work because mm. that's how I pick up tips. You know, I, I find that the instructor industry, I suppose is where being part of a franchise might be slightly different, but it is quite lonely. You know, you, yeah. you have that lesson and then you're alone and no one's seen it. You don't get feedback. You know, you can obviously go and get training, but for a lot of it, you're by yourself. 
yeah. and I think that when I speak to our instructors or like you say read your book and then I ah that's a good idea like we said about yeah. the licenses earlier it was only through by way of a student saying something that I suddenly thought yeah I'm not doing that yeah I mean uh, yeah I mean teaching um and developing driving instructors myself I pinch so much stuff <laughs> off PDIs you know they'll come up with something I think wow that's a really good way of oh, I'm going to pinch, and I write it down, I tell them I'm pinching it. And that's that's how we develop as trainers, as coaches, if you like, by learning off each other. But it is, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I started the school, if I'm honest, because I was with a big franchise. I left to start a training school in Liverpool, and that, for want of a word, went completely wrong. And I was left sort of thinking, well, what do we do next? And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to do it myself. Because I just found being independent lonely. And I thought, it's just too lonely. I've got no one to bounce ideas off. I've got no one to have a really good binge to. And, and you know, I that's what, you know, my instructors know that I'm always here for them. If they've got anything they want to chat about, you know. So um, I've just got lonely being independent. And that's why I, that's why I know. Being independent, no matter how good you are, is not for everyone. No. And I must admit, I, I, I do sometimes think now, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I may be inclined to go back to a franchise because mm. this is like my dose of instructor talk, if you like. But yeah. Mm. Um, all right. So just with the book there, where can people find it? Where can people order it? Um, well, I have got, I'll send you the link to, to, to my website where they can go through and it just has the direct link then to Amazon. Yeah. But at the bottom of that web page is a little space there where um, they can give you some feedback on the book as well. What I've said to people is, look, you know, in order for me to get the book ranked with Amazon, we need people to leave reviews. And I said, but please don't leave a negative review. <laughs> you can tell me. because you know it's like anything terry isn't it there's going to be people that will disagree with some of the things in the book and that's just the way way we are as people and that's absolutely fine everybody's entitled to an opinion on something and i get that you know it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea the book uh but it's it's i wear my heart on, on on the sleeve in the book and you know everything i've said in that book is based on my honest opinion on things and there's, I've had help with the book. Um, Terry and Chasey Field, for example, have done a little paragraph for me on on uh, confidence. Um, so is Diane Hall. She's put a little bit of a paragraph in as well. Uh, Charles Morton, who's the ex-DVSA uh, registrar, he's written forward for me as well. Um, so I've had you know other people have a look at the book and stuff like that. So, but 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 yeah, mm. excellent. Uh, like. Yeah, uh, I will put that link in the show notes if you're listening to the show now. Um, come out wherever you're listening and go find the show notes. You'll be able to click on it there and go straight and order it. Um, and I do appreciate you coming on today. It, it's the first time I've spoken to you and yeah. it's been very pleasant. I've enjoyed it, getting your, your thoughts. I'm very much looking forward to the book. Is there anything else you'd like to promote while you're on it? Um, the only thing I would say, just to finish off on the book, it is on sale um, it's $18.99, but up until the 29th of August, it's going to be um, on sale for $8.99. Right. So you're saving a, a £10 there. Um, but I, 
whether there is anybody listening to this podcast who is looking to join uh, a school, we're based in Merseyside. However, we have instructors in Chester, we have instructors in North Wales, Wigan, Bolton, uh, any of those areas. And they're looking for somebody to help them train or a school because we're desperate for instructors. We've got over 200 people on our on our waiting list. Um, so, you know, we'd gladly... Um, you know, te- not wouldn't take everybody on, obviously, because but we gladly uh, look at taking some some more instructors on. Yeah, and as I said, uh, if I was considering going back to a franchise at the moment, you'd be top of my list. Oh, thank you, Terry. That's nice of you to say that. No, um, it, it's it's true. You know, you've come across brilliant this interview for me, and I'm sure if you have for me, you will have done for other people as well. So the, the one thing I like to ask my guests to do is to leave us with uh, a book or a couple of book recommendations okay. that, that that I, not don't care about my listeners, that I can go away and read. Okay, well, I do listen to a lot of podcasts um, and I do listen to a lot of audio books as well. Um, so I'm going to recommend two. One is... Um, non-fiction and the other one's fiction um the, the the reason i'm recommending this one is i'm actually listening to it now and i find a lot of the books that i listen to are normally um i can't think of the word now um anyway i'll think of it in a minute but the, 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 the lots of books but there's lots of crossovers yeah. into our industry with them and this one's called never split the difference negotiating is if your life depended on it and it's by a chap called Chris Voss, and he talked about his life in the FBI on a hostage negotiation and how to create a, a win for yourself without the other person feeling they've lost out. So that's I'm getting some really good hints and tips that I can transfer into other businesses and other areas of my life from that book. And then there's a fiction book um, I'd like to recommend, and it's called TOG, which is T-O-G. And it's by a gentleman called Alan Drabble, who is also a driving instructor. And um, Tog is about a chap called Thomas O'Grady. It's a fiction book and his, his, his nickname's Tog. And he follows in his father's footsteps to become a career soldier. And then he's evacuated from a battle zone and suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder and it's all about um all about what happens to Tog and and all that it's a really really good story awesome i will add them to my list and i just want to touch on one thing you said there about the crossover i think that's really relevant and it's it's something that i didn't really pick up on until just before i started doing this podcast because initially with this podcast it was all going to be with instructors but I started realizing there was a big crossover with some of the other people I'm working with. So a, a lot of these shows are with people from outside the industry, um, picking their brains about the, the business or health and nutrition yeah. or mental uh, mental health, that kind of stuff. And it always fascinates me how much applies. I think and yeah. I'm guilty of this massive. But I think a lot of us are. We look at our industry as being unique, and yes, there are unique parts of it, but ninety mm. percent of it applies everywhere. Yeah, uh, I think that's it's, it's 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 massive it, massive crossover. It's self development books is the books I was uh, trying to think yes. of then. Um, but yeah, it, it is massive. Even little snippets like instead of saying somebody, you know, don't forget your mirrors. Oh, come on, don't forget your music. The human brain cannot compute a negative command. So if I said to you, Terry, whatever you do, don't think of a red balloon. 
it's too late you thought of it uh, well don't think of a bunch of red balloons tied in yellow strings that's dangerous it's too late you've pictured it um so instead of saying don't forget your mirrors which your pupils then are picturing forgetting the mirrors you'd say now remember your mirrors now remember leave lots of space remember leave the clutch alone so using positive commands which get into the subconscious of the learner much quicker and that is stuff that i've learned outside of our industry is using those those positive commands rather than the don't press the red button you know, we're on it, aren't we? With, with your fingers hovering over. Yeah. It's like the um, when you see a wet paint sign, do not touch. Yeah. You always want to touch it. Yeah, or but, in the chippy when it says hot surface, do yeah. not touch. You go, oh, it's hot, isn't it? I can't remember where I read about that, but, yeah, it was years ago, um, and I used to say to my students, don't move that clutch, don't move yeah. that clutch, and then they'd move it inevitably. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I've, I'm, I'm, I've read it in a book somewhere, and then it was now it's like clutch still, keep that clutch, yeah. and all of a sudden exactly. it works better. Yeah, yeah, much better. Yeah. On that note, I am going to let you disappear because as we record this, it is Friday night, so I'll let you enjoy yeah. the rest of your evening. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your time today. It's been a been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, and and yeah. you. Uh, thank you for coming on. You're not that far, so we'll have to uh, grab a brew at some point. That'd be nice. Uh, yes, that would be brilliant. I, I've got a week cough coming soon, and I tend to go on a few random visits around the country. So oh, right. I might yeah. make my way up to Liverpool. I've not been right. up that way for brilliant. a while. Up, across. Where's Ross. That? Yes, across. There we go. Um, yes. Go west. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping for a second because uh, I also do another podcast called Decapod, and uh, we review decades across years. And this year we're reviewing 1993, which contains a song, Go West. Go West. <laughs> exactly. That's a good link, isn't it? Yeah. I've done a few today. I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, just, just to say one more time, thank you for coming on. And it's been well, a pleasure you, speaking Terry. to you. And you. Thank you. So thanks again for listening there. I hope you enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed talking to Kathy. Kathy's not someone I've ever spoken to before. She was recommended to me by a few different instructors. And I'm really pleased because I really enjoyed that conversation. And I definitely intend to do some things going forward with Kathy. If you would like to appear on the show, or if you would like to recommend or suggest someone to go on the show, please get in touch and let me know. Uh, I'm always looking for, for new guests that can come on and offer insight and wisdom to all of you and also to me to help me learn. But I do appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you go and check out the Facebook group that I mentioned previously and go and check out patreon.com forward slash instructor and see what bonuses we can provide you over there. But for now, stay safe. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So the show has finished, but you're still here again. So you clearly cottoned on to the fact that at the end of this show, we do this quick fire question section now, but it's great that you're sticking about regardless. And another person that's stuck about is Kathy Higgins. Thanks for hanging about, Kathy. You're ready for some Welcome. quick fire questions? I am. Okie dokie. Uh, so the first one, possibly the most important question you will ever be asked in your life, dog or cat? Cat. Oh, no, everyone's saying cat a minute. I'm a dog man. Either way, uh, what is your favourite book of all time? Ooh, favourite book of all time? Probably um, 
Jane Eyre. Would you ever consider going vegan? No. What's your favourite film of all time? Favourite film of all time, Blade Runner. What do you call your students? The students, pupils, customers, learners? Customers. What's the proudest achievement you've ever, uh, of your life? Proudest achievements? Um, well, there's two really. There's, there's having my uh, lovely daughter and uh, getting a book published. <laughs> Excellent. And give me one goal that you would like to achieve. Just the one. Um, I would like to achieve a retirement that is still affording me to be busy chatting to people. Podcast. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for hanging about for a bit of extra time. Welcome. And I will, uh, I will actually let you go now. Okay. Thanks, Terry.